Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my future guest is Raina Rose. You can find her at Raina-Rose.com. Raina is an international best-selling author and soul nutrition Roku TV show host who is passionate about sharing her unique experience and expertise to help people like you live more fulfilling lives. Now, she started her first business in the fitness industry when she was only 19 years old, similar to me. She's traveled the world since then. She's done really well. She's living on saving. She did so well. She's stretching it. It's fantastic. And she wrote, she's the best-selling author of a book called Sin Taste Good. Yeah, Sin Taste Good. Now, I'm saying that because that title is very polarizing, isn't it? Now, whether you're Protestant or Catholic, Let's admit it. When we sin, typically it tastes good. Um, that's the allure. That's what we want. Think Adam and Eve in the garden, right? That, that red shiny apple and, and to know all truth, right? To know between good and evil, to be like God. That's what the enemy sold. It tastes good. Otherwise, Eve went and bit that and then brought it to her husband. All right, so Raina's, we're going to just uh, talk a little bit about her book, what she covers, but you're really going to enjoy BC Nation, I think. The story of what happened as Raina was writing the book, this Christian book, and how uh, she had a moment of self-doubt, of failing in her own Christian walk, and how the enemy came into that tried to sabotage things. So you don't want to miss that story. And then what did God do with it, right? So that's very important because listen, I guarantee you're going to identify with Raina's story because it's happening in your life. All right. So Raina Rose, welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take 30 seconds, fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Some of the gaps in that intro. Yeah, I would say the biggest gap in that intro is I have been just praying to God since I was probably 12, 13 years old. Give me a heart like David to be a woman after your own heart. And, uh, you know, that's not something that you really can describe in an intro. And that's something that even David, we look at David, right? He fell (laughs) and pursued after God's own heart, fell and pursued after God's own heart. And I was explaining that actually to someone who struggles with addiction the other day. You know, God doesn't ask that we don't fall. 
he asks that we return and, uh, you know, that we keep coming back to him and back to him. And we see these biblical characters. And so I guess one of the gaps is I just love the Bible and I love studying it. I love God's people and really trying to see what is the most graceful, loving way to communicate, spend time with and love God's people. That's probably the biggest gap in that intro. Take a minute, share something personal about you, Raina, that very few people in your business life actually know. Very few people in my business life. I'm such an open book. It's hard to say. What would they not know? Um, I am like technically homeless. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I, I actually live a lot of places, but I have not had like a home base that I like live at and pay bills and all that for since I was still in aviation because I spent 24 days in a year one time at my apartment and I'm like why do I have this why am I paying rent on something I spent 24 days in the year in and so ever since then I kind of ditched the apartment and um, I mean I keep all my things at my grandma's house and I visit her quite frequently Um, but I live you know I'm between North California and Southern California and traveling all around so Sometimes, um, and like you said, right now I am doing a lot of projects and um, living on, I mean, God bless me with years and years of savings in my last. No, um... And I have been been able to be blessed to live very well on that. But sometimes I like to joke that I'm homeless and unemployed because it's just funny to say. It is um, funny. But uh, I don't say it too often because I also don't want to prophesy that over myself um, because I also joke I have many homes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I get to uh, be financially independent because that's also true. So um, I like that. And I also think... Yeah, I think like the early church fathers, right? The apostles, Jesus himself, they were homeless. They were nomadic, right? They went out two by two and they stayed in people's homes. That's what they did. And they let God pay the bills, so to speak. God Mm -hmm. provided. So total God reliance. So that's awesome. You get to do that. All right, let's get into it. You wrote a book called Sin Tastes Good. Why did you write such a provocative title, girl? So it was the title God just drummed in my head. So, uh, you know, when you hear something in your heart so strong, I, in fact, I was like, God, that can't be the title. <laughs> you know? um, I don't think so. What's next? It didn't taste good. What? <laughs> you know? But it kind of came from, um, I was kind of listening to people complain about life and their circumstances and things. And I'm thinking as they're talking, you're making choices that are, are creating that. All you have to do is make a different choice, but it's just like telling someone like, all you have to do is stop eating cake and eat some broccoli. The cake tastes good. So they want to eat the cake. Right. Um, and not even, and this is really the point of the whole book. It's not even so much that the case tastes good. The cake tastes good but that they've been socially conditioned to think the cake tastes good. And same with sin. And as you get through the book, it it kind of reads a little bit like a devotional, very short chapters, but you start to realize that the point is as you get healthier and healthier, a lot of sticky, sweet stuff you once liked 
no longer tastes good. In fact, you look at it like, oh, for me, I, it's donuts. I look at donuts and I just see the stomach ache right away. Um, and mm. the same is true as we get spiritually healthier and healthier. We see those old sins that used to entice us, that society told us taste so good. You know, you want that pretty frosting and sprinkles of whatever sin choices, you know, your personal uh, Achilles heel. And eventually, as we get spiritually healthier, it doesn't look good anymore. We see the stomach ache before we go, mm, yeah, sprinkles, right? Mm. I think this is such a powerful uh, way to look at sin, the way you're presenting it right now. And it's not a common way we look at sin. And to understand that uh, we are growing in our spiritual journey, we're growing closer to God, especially when the enemy puts doubt in our minds that uh, you're still the same person you used to be. You really didn't go anywhere. All that work was a waste of time. Like, why are you even trying? Like, stop trying so hard. You deserve to take a break. Look how hard you've been working. Not everyone is working like that. Nobody's working that hard in their spiritual work, right? And he just, man, those those words, they sound good, right? Talking about sin tastes good. Sin also mm -hmm. sounds good. It's, oh, yeah. it's seductive. It's alluring. But what you're saying is, listen, when you've experienced the consequence of sin, enough times, especially the same sin over and over again. It's very similar to experiencing the consequence of eating too much chocolate cake. Mm -hmm. It puts on the weight, you get lethargic, you get extreme fatigue, uh, you get, you know, your joints ache uh, with the extra weight, you start to feel arthritis and, and inflammation. And, and you just, your energy is sucked out and then your self-image goes away and you're just like, your self-confidence declines. And BC Nation, isn't that true? And Raina's saying it's the same in your spiritual walk. And if you just look at the consequence when the sin presents itself, you can quickly put yourself into a state of disgusted with it disgusted mm -hmm. with the sin so that you don't fall that time and the enemy's lies and trickery doesn't work on you. Rena, how did I do with that? Yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly it. And then I think it's also important that a lot of times, uh, none, none of us, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only person who's walked this life perfectly is Jesus himself. And so when it does happen, whether it's something big or small, what, which I mean, nothing small, but some people look at some sins as bigger, some sins as smaller, like, oh, that one's not a big deal. Um, That's just to make us I, feel better about it. We justify yeah, right? it. Like I just lied. I didn't murder, you know, like, but whatever it is for someone to repent. And I think, and I redefine these words in the book, not as in changing the meaning, but reminding people what they mean. You know, sin means to miss the mark. And we can do that without guilt and shame. And I give the example of a kid in archery class, right? Or at camp doing archery. If the kid pulled the arrow and missed the target the very first time, you wouldn't call him a failure. You'd say, hey, aim a little more left or right or up or down. And he would improve over time and get closer and closer to that bullseye. And I believe the bullseye is, uh, life abundantly that Jesus came to give us kind of a heaven on earth, not you have no problems, but you have that love, joy, peace, patience to get through the problems in a way that is 
life abundantly that you okay the life abundantly that Jesus came to give us to me that's the bullseye and so when we can can really get into that juicy life I believe that's hitting the bullseye but that takes if you've ever tried archery or even shooting or anything where you're trying to hit a bullseye that takes putting it all into the field sometimes. And then you just barely hit the target and then you get to the lines and then finally the bullseye, right? Um, so we have to be graceful with ourselves and one another because otherwise we won't repent. And repent simply means to acknowledge and make a 180 degree turn. And so when we uh, take the guilt and shame out of these words, we can say, yeah, I missed the mark in my walk with God and what I'm trying to be as a Christian or a Catholic getting closer to the target of what God has for me. And I, when I'm not hitting it, I can pivot and make that turn. And so when we think of repentance in that way, then we're quicker to come back to God. But when we think of it, like we do diet sometimes where, Oh, I already had cake. I might as well have pizza too. Right. Um, then we just spiral into this. Well, I already sinned. I might as well just keep doing this thing. Cause I'm such a bad person. Right. Instead of that returning to God and, um, contemplatives. I and I, mm -hmm. I remember a uh, pastor friend of mine, uh, he used to say it this way. Uh, he said, you know, Joseph, when it comes to sin, uh, it's kind of like a baseball. Um, after you hit a, you know, a grounder, uh, to first base, you end up going for, you know, the grand slam. It's like, well, I already <laughs> hit a single. Let me go for a double. Let me go for a triple. Let me go for the grand slam. I'm already in it. And sin's yeah. the same way. Absolutely. And it's really, if you've ever talked to a contemplative and, or practiced contemplative prayer, they tell you it's not about perfectly sitting there listening to God, but as your mind wanders, that you return. And as your mind wanders, you return. And that's a muscle we want to practice. And so the whole book is kind of my fitness background. You mentioned that in the intro. I, when I started at 19, my first fitness business, and I talk about just like Paul does, the body and the spirit, the body and the spirit. We strengthen our muscles of returning to God. And that takes getting back in the spiritual gym the next day and the next day and the next day. And if we skip a day that we don't go, oh, well, I already blew the week. I'll just not go, I'll sit on the couch the rest of the week. We just go the next day. And so when we can have grace with ourselves with sin, not that we, that doesn't mean we sin and think nothing of it. It means that we're graceful, we repent, and we do better next time. And we can be more graceful with others. Mm. Because I find when I'm most judgmental, it's because I'm not being graceful with myself. I agree with you completely. And I'd like to add just a little thing here for, uh, you know, some of you listening right now where you're like, well, Joseph, I think it's a little deeper than that when it comes to sin. Um, sin, yes, it's missing the mark, like Raina is saying. But also, like using that archery example, uh, sin is more like you're not just missing the bullseye with those runaway arrows. Those runaway arrows are hitting people. Mm -hmm. They're hurting people. They're hurting yourself sometimes. And sin always destroys, hurts, wounds others and ourself, right? Because we're, every time we do it, we're separating ourselves from God. We're choosing to go the other way, to miss the mark mm -hmm. that is Jesus, like you said. So we're in rebellion. So there's harm yeah. being done as well to others. So I, I don't want it to be made too light of, hey, just strive for better, better. 
But what you're saying, Rena, I think is fantastic. And, and this is where we struggle as Protestants and Catholics is to uh, have real forgiveness conversations when we fall. And, and mm-hmm. I believe it's three different people in any uh, good forgiveness conversation, three different people involved. The first is run back to God right? And, and ask God for forgiveness, repent. That's first and foremost. Second is go to the person you hurt when you shot that runaway arrow and yeah. it hit them in the back of the head. Okay. They're wounded. They're limping. Like go, go like apologize <laughs> and ask them to forgive you. Okay. That's the second person. Take the and arrow the, out. Take the arrow <laughs> out. Otherwise they're, they're right. You can't leave them like that. And then the third person is yourself. You must learn to forgive yourself, BC nation. So many of you, I get to speak with and, and, and you'll, you'll forgive you know, ask God for forgiveness. You'll even some of you ask the person for forgiveness, but then you refuse to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Like Rain is pointing out. And it's a very powerful thing. She's saying is like, it's God can't use you if you're walking around with an arrow in you and, and you're bleeding out. Like you must go back to, to God and get healed as well. So again, many little lesson there and forgiveness conversations, all three people are involved Rain up. So tell us that quick story. You're writing the book, Sin Tastes Good. Mm -hmm. And then you have this thing that happens in your life. And the enemy comes in with a whole bunch of guilt, shame, self-doubt, lies, etc. Tell us that quick story. And what did God do with it? Sure. So Every time I sat down to write the book, I would just sit in front of my laptop and pray, Lord, write through me what your people need to hear. And I would feel confident that he was writing through me what people needed to hear from God. And one day I stumbled and something I hadn't done in a long time. And I came back to my computer the next morning and I said, God, I'm not ready to write this. Why did you choose me? Um, I've sinned. God gently reminded me, did you think you were any more worthy yesterday? Do you think I love you any less today or I've called you any less? And the point was that I was returning. I was returning to that computer. I was returning and, and again, not wallowing in guilt, but but still being remorseful about my sin and returning to God. So I returned and he reminded me, I'm, I still called you. You're not perfect. And the point is that you're returning to me and you're not going back to that. And so someone else um, reached out to me that I hadn't even met that read the book and said, that part where you described that, I've been holding myself um, guilty and shameful for a sin that happened years ago. And it's been keeping me from something I felt God has called me to. And when I read that you admitted that in the middle of writing a Christian book, you fell in your own sin. It helped me to have grace and repent for mine and actually forgive myself, like you were saying, because they had forgiven others and they had asked God for forgiveness, but they hadn't forgiven themselves. And so, you know, I do want to point out that's one thing that I think the Protestants and the Catholics, we can certainly learn so much from each other. And uh, one thing that I've heard a um, person who does interrogations with prisoners say is that people want to confess. They, the criminals, because there's so much on their heart that, that there's something in their psychology that you actually want to confess. They, they almost try to get the person to pull it out of them. And I think that part of our spirit, that part of our psychology is built into Catholicism where 
confession is built in so that you're not carrying this weight around on your chest alone of your sins because you have a safe space to confess your sins, repent of your sins, confess them to one another. And, and it's safe. And you know, that person's not going to go around and gossip. You know? um, so I think that's something that is really nice to have built in. And as Protestants, we could learn from that to have safe spaces to confess our sins, you know, cause not everybody has trustworthy friends, unfortunately, but um, you know, or friends that will withhold judgment uh, and so forth, you know? And so I think that's really great to have that confession of sin built in to the system. I, th- I think that's fantastic. You point that out. And you know, something just from a, a psychology standpoint that I've noticed, uh, like you presented in the Catholic tradition, that the, that they call that a sacrament, right? The sacrament of confession, mm-hmm. um, where you have that safe space, right? And that priest is not allowed to reveal any of those sins, right? Other, or he can be removed from his vocation, right? So like, it's definitely a, a safe, protected space there. But I also think from a psychological standpoint, when we ask for forgiveness, God knew because he created us that we need to hear the words, Mm. the auditory words, you are forgiven. Absolutely. Go and sin no more. Like he, Jesus said to, you know, the, the prostitute, you know, in the, in the Bible story, we need to hear those words. That's why, like when you apologize to someone, right. And you're like, Hey, I'm really sorry for what I did. And then you wait for them to do what? To say you're forgiven or it's okay. Or hopefully it's not okay. But (laughs) right. You, you wait for them to set you free. Yes. Through their words. And until they do, it's like you don't have the key to your prison. Mm-hmm. And, and I think God knew that. Right. So when he instituted the church and again, for 1500 years, right. Confession was part of the Christian church. And then, right. you know, Martin Luther in 500 years and we all split. OK. And I'm not making anybody right or wrong or anything like that. I'm just saying this is history. Um but so many people have lost that, that opportunity, that safe space to go and confess their sins to Jesus, but also to hear the words from another human being, you are forgiven. Yeah. Right. And you know, we, we talk about sin right there with the splits of the church, right? Yes. It was all because of sin on both sides, both sides that we've correct. got these splits over and over and over again. You know, at first it was orthodoxy and Catholicism, yes. you know, kind of the, this is the Roman, this is the Greek um, and Turkish. (laughs) And then we've got, you know, Lutheranism and then all these splits from then on, it just like exploded, but it all came from missing the mark and it hurting people. Right. Mm. And not being, well, it not being handled within the church. Right. And so the church just ends up splitting all over the place. And then we have all these random ideas that this is that, and you know, you just believe whatever you want. Um, but it, it started with that sin fracture. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's what's fractured us ever since. I mean, ever mm. since the fall, but one thing I want to mention, you, you mentioned the creation story in the beginning of the intro mm-hmm. there. And one thing I talk about in the book is, I really believe the, you know, we hear these pastors talk about fall redemption, but we often forget what we're being redeemed to um, that Mm. perfection. You know, God says it was good 
good. It was good. It was good. And then I really, really believe the first sin was not actually consuming the fruit. It was not that. I actually believe the first place they missed the mark was forgetting who they were. He doesn't want. So the first sin was actually forgetting who they were and whose they were. Because when the devil said, you can be like God if you eat this, they could have said, we already are like God. We were made in his image. He breathed his very breath into us and made us in his image. Like thousands of years later, Jesus would say, get away from me, Satan. They could have said that right then. And we'd be reading a whole different story. But I really believe that first place of missing the mark was forgetting who they were. They already were like God and didn't need a fruit to do that. I love it. I believe that is exactly why we we fall, is mm-hmm. we forget our identity in God. Yes, we forget exactly. that we're sons and daughters, and mm-hmm. therefore we don't need that shiny piece of uh, chocolate cake. We don't need that shiny uh, apple. It's like, no, I I belong to the Father. He provides for me. I don't need right. your, your scraps, your leftovers, enemy. I don't need that. Sure. Yeah. They look good, but man, I know there's poison in that. It's like the snow white story, right? I'm going to eat that apple, but that apple's got poison in it. And I'm, I'm wise as a serpent. I understand that. So I agree with you. Uh, We have an identity crisis in the church. We do uh, individually and collectively as, as a church body. That's why we're split in 40,000 directions. Right. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, individually we're split 120 million directions just here in the United States, Protestants and Catholics. All right. So how do we get back to that identity and hitting the mark, getting back to unity, uh, oneness, um, and, and really getting that we are sons and daughters of God. We're protected by him. We belong to him and he has plans for good for us. And we don't need to take the harmful plans of the enemy, no matter how good that sin tastes. You know, I think Jesus summed it up in the greatest commandment, which of course is often paraphrased, love God, love others. You got to include yourself in that others. And then you have to remember what it really means to love someone. You know, some people say, yeah, yeah, I love God. Do you spend time with him? Do you read his love letters to you? Are you listening to podcasts about God because you're so excited, which if you're listening to this, you are. (laughs) Um, But you know, like I, I hear some people say, I love God. And then they're listening to more business podcasts, which is great. I think business podcasts are good too, but more and maybe none of God, to be honest, you know? And um, so look at what you're listening to, what you're reading. I, all my journals are prayer journals personally. I'm not saying that needs to be everybody's, but it's like, if I'm going to journal out my feelings, might as well give it to someone who can do something about it. Right. And, um, and I'm writing God love letters. I'm, calling him the lover of my soul and thanking him for the way he has moved me and blessed me and giving me joy in all circumstances. This is what love is. And I think this is why we have such a crisis with marriages and love and relationships today and people aren't getting married and aren't having, because we forgot what love is too. And we need to learn to love our God and receive his love. And then we can love people starts with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself, BC Nation. And this is critical. Yourself. 
<laughs> what yeah, what Raina's bringing up is critical. There are three people Jesus describes in the great the two great commandments: love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's one, two, three. That means there must be some self-love there and not in an egoic way, but love yourself because you are made in the image and likeness of your maker. And yeah. he is love itself. So yes, love yourself. Otherwise there's some kind of dysfunction going on. Like if, if you look in the mirror and you're disgusted with who you see, run back to your heavenly father because you're having an identity problem. There's an identity crisis happening. Go to him and ask him this one question. This is my challenge or homework assignment for you this week. Ask him, Father or Heavenly Father, what is my identity? What is my identity? In other words, who do you say that I am? Not who I think I am or feel I am, who the world told me I am or should be, who my mom and dad told me I am, but who do you say that I am? Because you made me and you have a plan for my life. So who do you say that I am? Because that's where I'm missing the mark. That's where I'm falling into sin. That's why I have addiction in my life. That's why I have strife in my marriage. That's why I have broken relationships. That's why I have depression, anxiety. So go ask your heavenly father this week. Will you take on that challenge, BC Nation? Father, what is my identity? And, and then, then sit. Yes, believe what you hear. And in order to hear, you must sit and put time in to listen. Mm -hmm. I challenge you to spend block out 60 minutes, 60 minutes, not 59, not 58, not 15. I know you're a busy person. You're so important. I get it. I get you got a busy schedule. But if you want God's best for you and you want to be set free from the sin in your life that's chronic, this is how you do it. Go spend time with God. Give him 60 minutes of your day, your first fruit in the morning of your time. Ask him the question and then sit with a pen and paper and write down anything you hear, feel, sense, experience, or see. Anything. Write it down. Don't overanalyze it. Don't think about it. Just record it. Write it down and then ask him about it. If you see the color blue for some strange reason, Father, what do you want me to know about the color blue? You ask clarifying questions and let that conversation be led by the Holy Spirit. And you'll get the answers you're looking for, Raina, right? I'm actually, that's the reason my name is Raina. God said, I'm making you a queen. And everything you're about to go through is to make you a kind, gentle, humble, generous queen. And I was in my 20s and I said, God, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. And do we have to include the pain that comes with that? Uh, right. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, 10 plus 15 years later, I was like, all right, God, I'm stepping into well, you called me. Yeah, that's so fantastic. There you go. All right, Raina. So uh, we're going to wrap up our show. Thank you for being here. Like, very awesome. Uh, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. We were speaking about confession. I <laughs> named it that for a reason. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three okay. seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> okay. What, what is your favorite thing about God? <sighs> just his presence. Yeah. What is your least favorite thing about God? Going through trials. 
Yes. <laughs> the cross. I just want Developing the resurrection. Perseverance. <laughs> yes. That's uh, what Raina. I used to say when I was having a bad day. If people say, how are you doing? I said, Developing Perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. Just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? The next steps. Waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Oh my gosh, that patience is like, Lord, grant me patience, but without the waiting. (laughs) Raina, what are you most afraid of? Mediocrity mediocrity. Yep. Missing the mark. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? I probably spent too much time on social media. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Secret fear I have about people that I'll be disappointed. Yep. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he uses all things to, for our good. And even those things that were seemed horrible, were, you'd never choose. He uses them together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I wish I really got that sooner. I knew I read it, but I really wish I got it sooner. But I think you have yeah. to go through the experience. You have to live it. I agree. And that's probably why he says later on, thank God in all circumstances. Mm-hmm. So thank him for the, the pleasure. Thank him for the pain. Yeah. Thank him in all circumstances. And he, you'll move through a quicker BC nation. Uh, what's a new habit you want to create in your life? I have been creating it. So it's that morning time where I have my Bible, my prayer journal, and then I'm working on a creative project that is kingdom glorifying. And so that's in that time where I filled up with God. And then I, okay. Once I'm filled, once I'm filled up with God, I can receive that creativity to pour out into the project. He's called me to for his glory. Nice. And what's a bad habit you want to break? Come on. Where are you missing the mark girl? Come on. I, I try to correct it. I could say sleeping in, but I really, uh, when I was an early entrepreneur, I said, I know I've made it when I can wake up without an alarm clock. And I'm happy to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a two-edged sword, isn't it? So, you know, maybe sleeping in, I get to bed earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially in the summertime. And routine in general. Routine in general is hard for me, to be honest. I, I kind yeah. of am very fluid. And then, you know, I'll travel, I'll do this. And so- that's where getting those routines in um, can be challenging for me. So that I miss the mark in actually, I'm trying to hit my, my habit trackers at 80% right now. Okay. Progress. There you go. So pick three words yeah. to describe who you are now. Full, joyous, loving. Mm, so good. Pick three words to describe who you were before, before. You were missing, be- no, before you were hitting the mark, yes. I was selfish and I had low self-esteem and I was lost. Yeah. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye, 
give them only one piece of advice about everything, life, business, all of it, what would you say to them? God's using all things together for your good. All of them. Even this thing you hate. (laughs) Or this person (laughs) that you dislike. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you, God, for this person who irritates every piece of my being. Any final wisdom, Reina? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about, uh, you know, hitting that mark, uh, really getting clear on their identity with God? It's my favorite quote is the grass is greener where you water it. And kind of like I said, you know, if you love God, it's just like if you love a person, you have to spend time with him, show him, receive the love. You've got to water that grass. Because God's a gentleman. He doesn't just step in, you know, to places you don't invite him. He's right there waiting for you to invite him in every area of your life. As Jesus says, you do not have because you do not ask. VC Nation, God is the ultimate gentleman. He waits for you to ask. Go ask him this week. What's my identity? All right, Raina, what's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you? Go pick up the, your book, Sin Tastes So Good. Uh, yes, uh, my book is on Amazon. You can just look up Sin Tastes Good, Raina Rose. You'll find it. There's another Raina Rose author. I did not author those um, romance books. So we got to take her out. <laughs> we got to take her out. She's a doppelganger. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, just Sin Tastes Good is my book. I'm a co-author in another health book, but no romance novels yet. Um, Maybe one day I'll do like a Francine Rivers kind of thing. But um, you can find me on my website as well. That's www.reina-rose.com. And you can follow me on social medias. It's Reina Rose TV on Insta, YouTube, all those different places. Reina, I predict your first romance novel is going to be entitled something along the lines of Romancing God, the Ultimate Gentleman. (laughs) <laughs> like it something like that i don't know all right Raina <laughs> rose thank you for being on broken catholic i wish you god's love peace and joy in your life have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked have you tried therapy have you tried coaching have you tried counseling christian counseling nothing's worked for you for your spouse you just want better communication When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently, like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. 
If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.